This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 470 of the Stable Scoop Show on the Horse Radio Network. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Horselovers.com and you, our auditors. The amazing Anna Twinney joins us live with one of her students. Her name is Carolina, and they're at a full gentling clinic, and she's going to go over what it's like to go through the amazing seven-day process to gentle the foals. Plus, the Horselovers.com product review is the Weaver Prodigy Athletic Boots. Listen in. This is Glenn the Geek, and welcome back to the Stable Scoop Show. You know, we're really busy planning for the new Stable Soup show that will be coming in September. The new That's when the new format will start. I talked about it last week, so if you missed last week's show, head back there and take a listen. Next week, we also have a great show for you that we're recording at Ada. You know how we do the American Equestrian Trade Association show every year, and we bring you all the new products coming to the market that haven't even hit the stores yet. We'll be taking a look at all of those on next week's episode. Plus, entries are now due in for Equestrians Have Talent. I've started getting them in. You guys are talented. Some of them are a lot of fun. Others are most gong show material, but that's great because they'll probably get votes from the audience. The audience will be picking the winner on the Equestrians Have Talent. Go to horseradionetwork.com slash talent for all the details. The entries are all due. The audio entries are all due by the 18th. So go to horseradionetwork.com slash talent and get your entries in today in a couple of weeks we'll start playing those and we'll have a series of shows depending how many we get we'll have a couple of shows and we'll play a little equestrians have talent i'll see if i can get some celebrities to join me for that but right now we're going to get to our first guest anna twinney has been on the show many times she is an internationally respected natural horsemanship clinician and trainer an animal communicator a reiki master and she travels the world teaching the art of creating a trust-based partnership between humans horses and all your furry pets she does clinics and classes and training sessions all over the world. She's been to Canada and Denmark and England and Germany and Sweden and on and on and on. And, of course, all throughout the United States. And she's at one of the, her infamous fold gentling clinics right now. And we're going to talk to her and one of her students about what that's like. Well, hi, Anna. Welcome back to the Stable Scoop Show. It's been a while. It has. Thank you so much for having me back, Glenn. I'm here in gorgeous Oregon with a number of students with some Native American, or if you wish, Mustang tribal foals. And so you you reach us at a great time, absolutely fabulous time, because they're standing in front of me with a selection of paints, roans, bays, gorgeous individuals that um, people can actually see. We're, we're putting them on social media to try and do a live feed, and people can walk along on gentling these wild ones in the seven-day period that we're here. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah, and I did watch the feed a little bit, and it's been fun to see that and and to see you at work. And I also want to give a big shout-out to Katie Dixon, our auditor, who helped get all this set up. I guess she's theirs, and she helped get this all set up for today. So I appreciate Katie, too. Well, thank you. She's one of our Reach Out to Horses trainers, and she resides here in Oregon, so she did support us in putting this whole thing together, and she's an amazing horsewoman. Well, now, Anna, for those that are new and haven't heard you on the show before, can you explain your uh, full gentling clinic, how it works? Yeah, I can explain to you even the background. And so what happened years and years ago, actually, we're talking about two decades ago, 
a lot of my mission statements been to team up with the rescues. And over the years, it's not just to fundraise for the rescues or indeed gentle and work and train individuals in a way for free because me and my team come in or we bring in the foals or any other horse to gentle them, to train them, to give them a second opportunity and an adoption chance. But it also is about awareness, Glenn. And I feel like even though we're all in the horse industry and we're in it together for the good of the horse, there's also this piece that we just simply don't know. We don't know what industries are out there and what's going on. And so over the years, I've teamed up with individuals where we've kind of exposed the permarine industry, the PMU industry, that's hormone replacement therapy. And there's still thousands of horses out there where the foals are byproducts. And this is not an industry that I've forgotten, but it's a partial industry that I worked in. We moved into nurse foals, which is an industry in the performance world. And what happens there, the nurse foals basically are seeking a, a mare and her foal is classed as a byproduct and taken away from her. So she's bred, so she has milk, but her foal is a byproduct. And so we brought in a number of nurse foals over the years. And I can get into that if you need to later. We also looked at the feedlot foals. And what that would mean is pregnant mares would go to feedlots or indeed the mares would be shipped away to not so good destinations and the foals would be left at feedlots and I was quite horrified to learn about that industry to know that babies are at feedlots and really fighting their way for food and trying to survive and this particular industry that we've come into for the last two years here in Oregon would be to team up with the Warm Springs Network and they have brought over, I think, 600 foals from the Warm Springs Reservation. And so what happens there, they might bring out the mares or, or make the herd a little bit smaller. And so these foals are being sold, sold off in one form or another. And this is where we've come in. And so they're tribal foals. And they may be appies, warm bloods. Um, some of them have a little Arab in them on times. And these foals come in and they're between, generally speaking, between a few weeks of age all the way up to four months of age. And so they've come to us. We don't know how old they are yet so we can get to their mouths. And I have seven days with a wonderful group and team of individuals to gentle them. Now, are they so that's from, what we're doing Are here. they coming from trained horses or are they coming from wild stock? They're wild stock, and, and a okay. good way to describe it, Glenn, would be that, it's, that there's a vast amount of space out there. And I, I guess, depending on who we're talking to, you know, it's like the Mustangs. Are they truly wild? Are they truly free? Well, everything's fenced right. in now. Well, the same with the reservation. You know, they've got a, a good piece of land. And my way I remember it is it's the size of Singapore, this piece of land. But every tribe has their own segment and every tribe and every family has their own area. So the horses have fences. So they're certainly unhandled horses and they breed naturally in their environment. And so when the foals come off of the mares and they're, they're weaned quite firmly or quickly, they're untouched. They're unhandled for sure. And so they might be rounded up. Um, either on ATVs or on horseback, and then they come to a landing place, like a rodeo fairgrounds in the reservation, and then um, the Warm Springs Network comes in, and they find them the home. So we're fortunate to come in this time of year and support them. And it, what it does is it brings in some foals that have already been adopted, for adopted, that they're here to get handled before they find their forever homes or go to their homes, and three are not adopted yet. They're totally untouched, 
They are completely wild. And if in the wrong hands, they would be climbing panels. They would be trying to jump through panels, pacing back and forth, or even hiding in corners. And, you know, a lot of ways, it doesn't matter if it's wild horses or foals, a lot of the ways include roping or include shoots or include the tie-downs. And we're not doing any of that. No ropes, no restrictions. Simply, yes, we do have the 12 by 12 or 14 for panels because there's a little area that they're in. And you can class this either as a nice pen and a hotel room where they have the food and water, or you could, of course, class it as jail. But our intention is to make it as comfortable for these foals as possible. And if you see in the mornings, they're lining up to come into their rooms. They're lining up because it's a good thing. They're getting scratched, they're getting food, they're getting water, and they're not being roped down or choked down or indeed, like I said, put through shoots. They're not doing any of that. So they're learning the horse's language, you know, the, the, the students are learning the horse's language and they're learning to meet the foals where they're at. Now, how many will you have in a session like this and how many students are there? And we have one of those students on. We're going to talk to her in just a minute. It varies. I guess I've had around the 8 to 12 mark would be a good class size. Anything over that means people wouldn't get the individual attention, and so the folds might not move forward quite as quickly. And although it is a student class, it's kind of this thing where we have half of them as reach out to horses, trainer students coming in, and the other half of the public. And so the public may not know the terminology or indeed the methods. And so what this course is about is that you have a chance to handle a foal, which I truly don't know where else you can handle a foal because people are protective of their stock and their foals. And so here's an opportunity if somebody's wanting to breed or backyard breeder, or indeed they do breeding or they want to learn a softer, gentle way, they can come in here. And then there's an awful lot of supervision. So they can see demos, they get their hands on, um, I'll be there one-on-one, -on -one. they can shadow me, and they literally have a fold to gentle for the week, but they also buddy up with individuals so that they can see other styles and other personalities. Because what we're not doing, what we're not doing is, here's one method, and this foal has to do what we say. All of the folds on the course have a slightly different style. And we meet them. So it might be advanced and retreat with one, might be sitting with another. It could be pole gentling. Today I demonstrated a beautiful way to pole gentle to create the space between the foal and the human. So many, many styles, Glenn. And we've had them come from all over the world, the students. You know, of course, in one sense, I wish there were more because everybody could learn something. And it goes back to every horse, not just foals. You're going to learn about life lessons and how you are in the world as well as how to handle every horse so that you don't just go in and bridle and ride and you don't create a relation. This is about acknowledging the individuals, seeing the tries, um, feeling the energy. You know, that's been a big thing this week, Glenn. It's that thing of what are you seeing in the horse, like relaxation signs, but what are you feeling in them? What are you intuiting that's a big thing here because, of course, they can acknowledge. I had one this morning, head down, soft eye, soft foot. Everything said relax, but she was internalizing. So it's about recognizing what they're truly feeling as well as what they're displaying. Well, now we have one of those students with us who happened <laughs> to have traveled a little ways, I think, and we have Carolina here. Hi, Carolina. Hi there. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Anna. Hello. Now, it's funny to have you on the phone with me. Yeah, you're pro <laughs> probably standing about 10 feet apart. <laughs> so, so uh, Carolina, where are you from? 
I am originally from Switzerland. That's where I grew up. And, and so why are you in the States? Well, I came for a quick vacation for like three weeks, and it was so beautiful that I decided to stay. Oh. <laughs> so now I'm a U.S. citizen and <laughs> and um, learning how to train horses. How, and have you been into horses? Were you in horses in Switzerland? Yeah, I was one of those typical girls, you know, at nine years old, you see, you look into the eyes of a horse and you're sold for life. So what led you to Anna? How did you find out about the, the clinic and what led you to that? That's actually a really funny story. Um, my husband talked us into getting a Mustang and we didn't really know much about wild horses. So I heard about this uh, outfit called Giddyaplix where you can rent different DVDs about horse training only. And I tried several, and I didn't really like him. And then I found one by Anna Twinney, and it totally intrigues me. And little did I know, a few weeks later, she had a clinic in Arizona. That's where I live right now. And I said, oh, I must go there. And that was nearly two years ago, and I've been taking several courses with her. And it's just wonderful. That's terrific. And Anna, so where do, where, where do the foals, and I know each, each individual is different, so let's accept that. But in general, yeah. where do the foals end up at the end of the seven days? What have you accomplished? It's spectacular. I can even give you the long story of the short version, but suffice to say, I'm going to go shorter. Suffice to say, we will have touched them, hand-groomed them, halted them, we then get into the leading, first in the little pens and then out a little bit further. We've actually done some natural deworming at this point too, where we give them some clay and prebiotics to settle the gut because I do believe that a lot of them are stressed through the weaning process or the, in a way, an orphaning process where they've lost their, their mum and dad or family and lifestyle that quickly. So we give them some clay. So that, that would in a way be the doctoring portion. At the same time, we've groomed them, we've picked up feet, hopefully moved into farrier positions. So it could be like a farrier rope and stretches and farrier positions. And then if we can, we will bathe them and indeed go over an obstacle course with some desensitizing in it. So literally they're coming in from unhandled and the first three days are the crucial ones where we're approaching, acknowledging, reaching out, doing first touches. And then kind of the latter part is where you see them moving forward exceedingly quickly and swiftly where they learn to give their feet. And and it wouldn't be surrender if we've got people listening to that. We're not looking at that. We're looking at them willfully partnering. And if we can great, create this great foundation, it goes with them for life. And the feedback, you know, this isn't a short-term thing I've been doing, so I've been doing it for a long time. And the feedback we get is that the foals in general that will now be 15, 18 years of age would have stood great for the farrier. They, they accept their basic handling, the foundation, and we're not going to get problems creeping in because it's this duration at a weaning age that if you take a little bit of time, and I'm not talking about seven days even, I'm talking about one to two hours per day, over a seven-day period brings you to this very point where these guys are being seen, heard, acknowledged, and they've never been introduced to fear, force, or violence. And so it's not bringing the defense mechanism out in them. 
So I do have a question for you, and, and Carolina, you you got the Mustang before you learned anything. Is that the was that the order of events, or did you decide before you got the Mustang to go out and learn some stuff? So I only knew about horses, which is not the same thing as a Mustang. Yeah. And I really hate to say this in public; it probably wasn't the best idea. Okay. It had a really really great outcome, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. Uh, that was the answer I was actually looking for because it led to my question with Anna. The, you know, we we talk a lot about the Mustangs in the shows. As you know, we're we're we we're all in favor of trying to find these guys' homes. My hosts have Mustangs. They show them. You know, they do neat things with them. But we're always warning people that they're they're kind of a different creature, and you you have to know a little bit before you get a Mustang. What's your feeling on? On the way Carolina did it, I'm not picking on you, Carolina. I'm just saying that people wonder <laughs> if they're qualified enough to adopt a Mustang. And what's your thought on that? Hmm. Well, on a spiritual aspect, sometimes you're going to find your soulmate. And it doesn't matter what we as trainers say, because you're going to catch those eyes and that individual's supposed to be with you, meant to be with you. And it's going to work out. And these are the special, outstanding, exceptional stories that you hear. They're exceptional. It's not the norm. The norm would be the other piece, that you're inviting the wild in. You know, you're inviting the wild. So these guys have a strong understanding of nature. Their herd structure is extreme. Their expectations, their intelligence how wise they are is beyond any other horse. On top of that, they're not used to our culture. So our culture of being in a stool, picking up the feet, getting ridden, being under saddle, you know, having routines and structure, that's not their culture. So you're literally picking up another species with an extremely different culture, and then the expectation is, do it my way or the highway. Some surrender. Some lose their spirit. Some comply. Some fight. And some, some don't make it. They literally don't make it. So if we begin to look at those kind of stats, it can be a challenge, right? And there's so many programs out there that are supporting the Mustang. And definitely today, nowadays, where their life's on the line, doesn't matter if they're out in the wild or in the holding pens, their life's on the line. They need all the help they can get. But at the same time, the honoring that this species is a wild one requires a different kind of horsemanship. And there's a misunderstanding and a misbelief that if you're a horse trainer, you can naturally do that. This is what I don't get, Glenn. You know, I don't go out and say, hey, I'm going to teach a polo pony or I'm going to teach a three-day eventer or indeed I'm going to go into Grand Prix dressage because I'm not that trainer. I can't do that. But for some reason... There's a large amount of trainers that feel, oh, I do horses, I can do Mustangs. So I guess what I would be seeking would be recognition that as Mustang trainers, we have a niche and an experience that cannot be replaced with horsemanship alone, but requires a Mustang experience. With that in mind, yeah, I'd love to match the right Mustang with the right person and to guide them through it. I think it's a skill, an art, and it requires a lot of compassion, of course, the field timing, absolutely. Respect, trust, leadership, absolutely. But if you want to do it the traditional way, one where you're breaking them, I, I think that is shameful, 
shameful at best. Mm-hmm. So that's how I'd probably answer your question. And so, Carolina, if you had it to do over again, I think your answer would be you would have sought out the instruction like Anna gives or, or you know, one of the other uh, nonviolent training programs out there. You would have done that first? Yeah, absolutely. I was the incredible lucky one. My Mustang taught me a lot, and he was extremely forgiving and, and engaged. He just took... The, you know, me going in there, trampling in there, having no clue. He took that and guided me, but I know that is very rare. And uh, we're both very happy campers today. But I, I, after the fact, when I found out what I really should have done, I felt terrible. I'm like, oh, my God, what did I do to this poor horse? But like I said, thank God it had a good outcome. How many? So do you, Anna, you know, I used to teach sales for years to high-powered salespeople. And it was interesting because as a teacher, you see the light bulbs go on in your students and you see when they, when they turn the corner, when they finally get something that you're trying to do. And I assume that in these seven days, let's not talk about the horses, let's talk about the people. Okay. In these seven days, you see those light bulbs go on. Maybe it's somebody that had been taught in a little rougher manner. Maybe it is somebody that didn't know there was a gentler way to do it. And it must be so satisfying for you to see those 100-watt light bulbs come on. It's phenomenal to see people think about how they were before they came, that that light bulb goes on and goes, wow, I wish I'd known what I found out this week as as a child or even as an adult. And it's exceptional to see how this goes into life that maybe they're bringing in some aspects from home or the business into the pens and there's these realizations to to know we're not in the present time how do we do that or to know we can't dial back our energy or or dial it up how do we do that how do we dial back energy or to realize that our goals are so high and the bar set so high for us that in doing it for ourselves, we've set the bar too high for maybe the horse or the foal because they never achieve it. There's so many lessons that they learn. It, it goes way beyond horsemanship. It could go back to childhood, believe it or not, too, as to how the father treated the individual or what a statement means to that person. And the light bulb might be the feel and the timing, but indeed it might be, wow, this is who I am in the world. This is who I am, and do I want to be this person anymore? And that's sort of the glory. So these folds touch the lives of my trainer students more than any class, any class. There's something so innocent about them. And we we bring in such amazing people that they're concerned and cautious because they realize if we repeat something inappropriate, like what if that foal snaps his head out of the halter two, three times? Well, he's learning that the halter is not a good thing. What if we come in and they swing their butts because you didn't create the value or indeed he's simply saying, I'm seeing no benefit of you being here. Well, people are learning there's something not right. And it doesn't mean that you don't have the compassion and the hope and the appreciation, the try. It doesn't mean that. It just means that you may not know how exactly to put it all together. How do you bridge that gap when he greets you with his butt? butt you know, how do you make that a right? We're not going to hit him on the on the butt. He doesn't know any better. He's literally saying, I prefer you're not here, and that's his language. What we can't do on this course is say, hey, I'm here. I'm an ear for you. I'm listening to you, but don't necessarily 
just come on that hard. This isn't like any horse. This is a foal. It's like having a two-year-old child in relation to the fact they're exploring. They're trying. They're they're coming to our world and they're figuring out how they need to be. If we meet that with violence, their first impression is to defend. If we meet that with smartness, with our minds, and we explore different ways, they're never going to go to that place. So people learn way beyond horsemanship. It's interesting because Jamie, you know Jamie, a Horses in the Morning co-host. Yeah. And he's, yeah. she's been spending, well, she's uh, becoming a, a Monty Roberts certified trainer. And one of her comments, she's talked about on the show, so I'm not giving away anything here. She said, because yeah. of what I've learned with Monty and the nonviolence that, that she's learned through Monty's courses, that has applied yeah. to the rest of my life. I'm now different with my child. I'm now different with my husband. I'm now different with the clerk at the grocery store. And that okay. was one of her biggest takeaways is not just what she does with her horses, because let's face it, that's a part of our lives. The rest of it is the rest yeah. of our lives. And, and her, her takeaway was, I've learned so much about the rest of my life. Yeah. And, and it's, it's true because the horses pointed out and there's no going back. You can't go back to who you were because it will feel uncomfortable. And so there's only kind of moving forward, if you want to call it into the light, but there's only moving forward at this point in time. And it does make the change because you go back, you no longer fit in that mold. You're no longer that person. And so there truly is only the moving forward into becoming a better human being. Her term is it makes her feel icky. She gets the icky feeling right away. Icky, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what exactly her term is. It. Hey, I got to ask you, where if somebody, I know you yeah. do these all the time, and you're doing all of, all of your other clinics, obviously, but if somebody wants to find out if they're coming to your their neighborhood, uh, where do they go? Thank you. Um, if I can say a couple of things, like yeah. if they can't come to the neighborhood, because if they're in Europe... We have um, downloads now for the DVDs. So they, if they go to reachouttohorses.com or indeed they connect with Vin, info at reachouttohorses.com, they can have access to the online download stroke the DVDs. We have one, Falls in Training. We have a Wild Horse Training too and many other things. But ultimately, if we're looking at the courses, it would be reachouttohorses.com. And I do, I do travel. My calendar's about 12 to 18 months in advance. And unfortunately, even though I'm doing courses all the time, I do one full gentling per year, one Mustang gentling per year, because there's so many things I love to share and teach from animal communication through to all of these wonderful courses. They would actually start with the holistic horse course. Um, that one we run annually as well in September this year in Colorado. And that's the course that really creates a strong foundation and if not, if they've got a foal at home and they want to learn the right way or if they've bred or they're going to think about bringing the wild ones in, yeah, absolutely look at the events calendar. We're pretty much up to date until next year. Very good. And now I have to ask Carolina one more question. How the heck did a girl from <laughs> Switzerland get the name Carolina? <laughs> oh, okay. that's, a, that's a kind of a, a weird story. My parents bought a little book with lots of names in there and made X's at the names that they like, and Carolina got two X's. <laughs> <laughs> they both agree. Two X's. <laughs> that's funny. Because it's not even a name you hear too often here, so that, that's why I wanted to know. 
very but cool. But it's good because yeah. everybody here knows how to spell it. But well, I'm true. glad I don't have some complicated <laughs> European name. That's true. Yeah, with all the vowels and or all the consonants and no vowels. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think... I, I have to caution people, Glenn, because yeah. Carolina came to the course and she adopted a horse from Arizona. So what <laughs> happens is last year and the year before, every foal was placed. And if the foal doesn't get placed... My husband takes them home, so he's banned from my courses. <laughs> and you tell... But my head's grown, Glenn. Well, tell your husband I said hi. I haven't talked to him in a while either. I will. And uh, thank I you will. both for joining us, and good luck the rest of the week. Thank you so thank much you. for having us. And now it's time for the Horse Lovers product review of the week. And we are going to be taking a look at the Weaver Prodigy Athletic Boots. And I have one of our listeners with us right now. Jill Black Eckes is here. And uh, you got these boots how long ago? Oh, probably, I'd say maybe about two months ago. Oh, very good. uh, two months ago. Well, I think I was still pregnant when I got when I got. <laughs> Did, it didn't have anything to do with the boots, everybody. Um, oh no, that's my dog. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. So these are athletic boots. So um, they basically cover the the suspensory tendons and the ligaments, uh, mm-hmm. and you know they they are made of neoprene. I assume. Yes. Okay. Yes. So how yes. have you used this type of boot before? You know what? I've I've used a similar type of boot. It's been the the more like the splint boot that has the Velcro that kind of pulls them tighter. These are a bit different. Um, they have the the straps aren't made of Velcro. They're made of the same material as the rest of the boot. So they they they're very versatile as far as the horse that they can fit. I mean, we've had them on uh, my friend Sandy Trickaner and on thoroughbreds, and they fit both of them just fine. So they're nice and adjustable, which is what's good about the neoprene. So, um, that's, that's like one of the the pros. The other pros, um, is that they're washable. So if they start getting a little mucky, you can toss them right into your, uh, washer and they come out pretty clean. Obviously you wouldn't dry them. You just want to hang them dry. Um, that's nice too. And the, uh, the uh, one, one con that they did have is that the bottom strap that kind of wraps around the the, the bottom part of the hoof? Uh, you know, I, I get I my anatomy's off, <laughs> but it it can be a little uh, touchy. So you have to kind of just sort of get it just right around that area. Otherwise, um, it, it looks like it might just fit a little funky on his foot. It they don't seem to bother the horses or anything like that. But um, the way it kind of like goes up underneath the that little joint below mm-hmm. um it, you have to just get it just right so it's, it's but it's more like user error it's not the boot fault of the boot it's more like just figuring out how they go on and and how you're supposed to properly use them but um they're nice and quick so if you are used to wrapping your horse's legs like you know dressage riders like to wrap their horse's legs and stuff these, these are a lot quicker obviously they came with front and back boots so you had them on all fours, and obviously they take you know no time to put them on and, and take them off. And the color was really nice. Um, the one thing, though, is I think they said they were mint, 
And they were definitely more of like a teal color. So and they come in multitude get, of like, colors, actually. They have uh, blue, lime, pink, purple, red, turquoise, white, mint, and grape. So it's, Yeah, it's there's so many different colors. Yeah. There's <laughs> so a lot I'm of pretty colors. I'm sure you're going to find what's going to match. Yeah. So, mint, uh, um, you probably see the mint ones coming from a distance, I would think. I would think, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, unless they, unless they were marked around, but these ones, I said, like, they looked a little more t- on the teal side rather than a minty color. Yeah. But they're, they're pretty, they're pretty bright, but they look really nice against the black, like, black tracaner that we have in mind. Oh, wow, yeah, that'd be um, cool. Yeah. Oh, it was a really, really pretty color, though. It, 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 All right. They're so nice you, boots. They're definitely nice boots. You've been using them for a while. Have they held up? They do. They've, they've been holding up. I know some of those neoprenes, um... After you have them on for a while, they start to wear around like the edges, yep. uh, and starts like the color starts to peel away. These have not done that yet, so uh, again, it's only been a couple months. They've been tossed in the washer, and they still look pretty good. So, I, I would say a, a big yes if you're looking for quick on and off. You know, um, well, that, that and, and what, sounds what like else a plan. Could you want? All right, very yeah, good. Definitely. All right, there's a size chart on on the website. Go to horselovers.com and just search for Weaver Prodigy, and you'll find these boots. They come in small, medium, and large. And as I said, they come in all those different colors. The price is certainly right, around $50 as we record this. So the price is right, and it sounds like uh, overall they're a pretty good boot. So, yeah, they're a good boot. All right. Definitely. Check them out. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Well, thank you for joining us this week, everybody. Remember to get your entries in for the Equestrians Have Talent competition. Send them in by the 18th. We need them all by the 18th so we can put the episodes together. Next week, we'll be back with the show from Ada, bringing you 10 or so new products that we found scouring Philadelphia's trade show. And we'll be recording those there. It's always something that you uh, that the listeners always look forward to. I know you guys love that. So we'll be doing that again. We love it too. And Jennifer really loves it because she gets the shop. We're having so much fun also covering the Mongol Derby over on the Horses in the Morning show. We're doing live Facebook Lives with Devin Horn, who was a two-time competitor at the Mongol Derby, every night doing kind of a wrap-up for the next eight days. And we do that at 8 p.m. over on Facebook Live on the Horses in the Morning page. So go to Horses in the Morning, look for the video feed, and you'll find us talking about and doing kind of a wrap-up every night. And Devin knows her stuff, so it's a lot of fun. That's it for this week, everybody. Don't forget to get the app, iOS or Android. There's a brand new show on the app. It's called Plaidcast Junior. That's right. It is for juniors, and it's actually created with the help of juniors, all about the hunter and jumper world. It'll be coming to the app very shortly. It's on all of the podcast feeds right now, so look for it today. It's called Plaidcast Junior. If you have any interest in the world of juniors in competitive riding, that show is for you. We'll have them on to talk more about that in an episode coming up. We'll see you next week from Ada. Until then, happy scouting.